Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello, welcome back. It's another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. We are live tonight. Training camp is in full swing. I got my buddy Ryan and my good friend Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings. How is everybody doing tonight? Luke, you can start us off. Absolutely thriving. Enjoying a wonderful Minnesota summer evening. It's a little bit of a change for you coming from California. Yeah. That's, how have you, it's, how have it's you acclimated? It, well, it's definitely nicer here in the summer. Out in L.A., it's like 90, 100 every day. This is like, it's like perfect every single sunny 70s. It's nice. It's lovely. You, you missed it last week because uh, we kind of had that uh, California smog here with all that the air wildfire stuff. smoke, yeah. You get the campfire yeah. weather. That would have made you feel right at home being out in L.A. Oh, yeah. I had one. T- so you know how everybody in Minnesota has uh, like an ice scraper in their car for when it snows mm-hmm. and they've got a little brush on it? Um, so I years ago took my car out to – drove my car. So I'm still driving the same car I drove in high school out in L.A., <laughs> and um, which is excellent, right? And it still has that little ice scraper in the back. I did never bothered taking it out. And one time I was, there was a wildfire not too far away from where I worked. And so my car was parked out there and ash had fallen on it like snow. And the ash, if you tried to do your windshield wipers, it would just smear. So I took out my little brush, my ice scraper. And people were like, what on earth is that thing? And why do you have it in your car? And it was perfect. It got it right off. I got it. <laughs> I'm sure you can't even really buy those out there. Why uh, you'd people have, to, like, like snow brushes, right? Or something. Yeah, yeah, That's no reason funny. to have one of those. <laughs> you look like a genius that day. Yeah. <laughs> they explain, like, Ryan? snow to people. <laughs> Ryan, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, good. You know, I just got back from a family bike ride and cracked open a few beers here, just trying to enjoy this Vikings happy hour. Excited to talk to Luke and, and you about some fun stuff here. Yeah, I mean, it should be a pretty fun show. I mean, like I said, training camp is is kind of in full swing here. We got our second day of, of padded practice. But uh, before we dive into the training camp stuff, um, <clears throat> I do just want to touch on uh, a topic that I've kind of brought up on Twitter in the past, but I felt like with the, the Gladney news getting indicted yesterday um, and being released from the Vikings, I thought this would be a good conversation with you two um, to say – what classifies a player as a bust? Um, I think we hear the term tossed around a lot. Um, we've heard it tossed around for, for Mike Hughes, which I would say that he's not necessarily a bust in my opinion, but I think other people have uh, varying views. And when you think about Jeff Gladney, um, people, I, I saw on t- Twitter today that somebody didn't want to call him a bust, just, just a miss. And so, what classifies a bust? Uh, Luke, we'll toss it to you first, and and then you can talk about the recent first-round draft picks and how many are allegedly busts. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably disagree with a lot of people about Bradbury because I'm higher on him. But to answer the first thing, so I guess if we want to define what a bust is, I guess I want to ask the question, why, what are we trying to accomplish here? And usually when we talk about if a guy is or isn't a bust, we're usually using it as a referendum on the people that drafted that guy, right? On Rick Spielman and the drafting and the scouting and all that stuff. And so I think to call a guy a bust, like 
Jeff Gladney did not live up to the expectations set forth by being drafted in the first round. Obviously, everybody agrees on that. And so if that's your definition for a bust, then he's a bust. Great. And you can move on. And the thing is, I don't know what we learn from that train of thought, right? We say, well, he didn't make it to what we usually expect a first rounder to be. Nobody disagrees with that. And I guess we call him a bust and then that's that. But if we want to then use that and say, because Jeff Gladney is a bust, you know, therefore Rick Spielman made a mistake or therefore it's a ding on his record or something, then you kind of have to remove yourself from hindsight. And that's where it gets a lot more difficult. And you have to start asking the question like, could we have seen this coming from Jeff Gladney? And if so, was it an unreasonable risk to take? Because you can take a risk on players with character issues, even if you see them coming. That was Dalvin Cook. That worked out great. I mean, that was a go, let's go way back. Randy Moss and Chris Carter, both character issue risks the, the Vikings made. So if you want to criticize the Vikings for taking risks on character issues, then you kind of have to bite those bullets as well. Um, and I think, I think it's a really interesting conversation to have. I think you need to have, you need to start kind of Nancy Drewing a little bit and piecing together sourced reports, but anything you piece together needs to have been reported before the Vikings actually drafted him because that's all they could have ever known. Um, from what it seems to me, he had some, t- uh, character stuff at TCU, a little maturity stuff. I think he failed a drug test, but nothing that would have, uh, implied that you were at risk of, losing this player of, of being, you know, put into a situation where you have to cut this player a year into his rookie contract. That didn't seem like a particularly likely scenario or one that the Vikings would have like been responsible to play around. So I don't think it's useful to call Jeff Gladney a bust, but obviously he busted. It's just not the Vikings fault. And I feel like the like, I think we, we have to kind of keep that in mind. Yeah, maybe just like an overused term, right? Like, I think we do throw yeah. the term bust out there a lot. And then to your point, which is very like, good Treadwell's insight. Treadwell's a bust. He just sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Treadwell, Troy Williamson, yeah. um, Demetrius Underwood. I heard you mention his name the other day. So I, I had to give that little plug there. Ryan, what are your takes on this? Yeah, and we, obviously you and I and uh, Miles had a little chat about this in a small group chat. Um I, again, you know, I, I'm taking Luke's, I guess, kind of side in, in a sense of, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, correlate it to um, the front office or to the team. So in my opinion, that's more of a miss than it is a bust. Like I, I do more associate bust with the player itself. And then the miss would go more to the front office, in, in my opinion. Uh, so a miss being, you know, you, you miss the fact that he potentially could have you know, had these character flaws. We took a risk on Mike Hughes, who had character flaws. That wasn't his issue that caused him, in my opinion, to be a bust in the NFL because he just had injury issues. So for me, when I look at bust, I look at it as somebody who, for the value that we took them in, did not live up to expectations, whatever the reason could be. It could be, as Luke had mentioned, Treadwell's just sucked, and that was a bust, and that was a miss on the front office. Um, it could be a injury issue like Mike Hughes where, you know, who knows? He could have had a productive career. He seemed to, you know, have some ups and downs when he actually did play, you know, that interception is rookie year, the awful game against Amari Cooper, I think was a sophomore year or, or you know, um, whatever it might have been. Um, so, so when I correlate, I just correlate it to, did you produce in a way that a first rounder in this 
you know, the way we're viewing this today um, should have played. And did they, none of these guys did. I don't think Hughes did. I don't think Treadwell did. I don't think, um, obviously, Gladney didn't because he didn't have an opportunity to because he's a dumbass. Uh, so, you know, you look, and then Bradbury, you know, Luke, I know you're a little higher on him. He, I just, he hasn't shown anything yet. So he's on the verge of becoming a bust, but he still has an opportunity. He's only in year three. Again, they tell you not to evaluate a guy until after year three. So he, he may take a leap this year. Um, he's got better, t- hopefully he'll have better talent around him. So he can actually hopefully not have to burden so much you know, um, of that burden, not having Samia and Dozier around them. Right. So I'm willing to give him another chance, but I think he's on the verge of being a bust because again, you're not living up to the standard of what a mid first round pick should be. Um, so I, I use the term, I guess, more broadly, like you were saying, Matt, um, than, than probably most people do because I do correlate it to the value that you got that player. What did they do for you regardless of, why they couldn't do it for you, right? So um, if it was injury, if it was off-field issues, if it was talent, if it whatever. And then the miss comes from the, uh, from the front office. So we missed on Treadwell because we just trusted that he'd be able to do contested catches all day long in the NFL. We missed on potentially on Bradbury because he just isn't strong enough to play in the NFL. Again, it's so far for the sample size we have currently. Um we missed on, you know, uh, you had mentioned Troy Williamson because he couldn't catch a damn ball and we just focused on the speed. So, like, you know, th- those are misses, but they're also busts as well, if that makes sense. At least that's that's the way I view it. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. But that leads me to a different question. Uh, in Luke, I feel like you'll have good insight on this. Do you think that fans just in general uh, have too high of expectations for just draft picks in general? Because... You talked, Ryan, you're already talking about uh, Garrett Bradbury, right? And Luke has high expectations for him. I think he's been fine, like maybe unwarranted of a first round pick, but he's been fine. But in reality, when you look back at the history of first round draft picks, it's not a lot hit, right? Like the draft shoot or the draft in general is, is a crap shoot overall. Yeah, I think we probably have. I think the the issue isn't necessarily the draft, the expectations we set out for draft picks. Um, and I think the whole thing about Garrett Bradbury, you know, we could debate about the merits of Garrett Bradbury or whatever. But um, the the whole thing about him, I, I don't think anybody has put out too high of expectations. You draft a guy in the first round, you want him to be a quality starter. They're a starter, but they're bad. Yeah, I don't think that's a good. I don't think they fulfilled what you expect from a first-round pick. And I think most people can agree on that. I think the disconnect comes, you know, and I I like the way you put that, Ryan, with busts and misses and kind of treating them as separate things. And I think you you just lose the ability to then say, if a front office has a lot of busts, therefore they are bad. If they have a lot of misses, then they're bad, right? Because then, you know, that's the Jets, right? The Jets have a ton of misses. They always miss on their guys. They got a lot of Jachi Polites or whatever that guy's name is, that third-rounder that didn't make the team. Um... And, but if you have a lot of busts that are just kind of happenstance or something that isn't necessarily the team's fault, you know, you, you can't say, well, if there's a lot of busts, then the front office is bad because you've added another premise in there quietly. You've said, and busts are a referendum on the front office, which is what I would contend with in that. But if it's a lot of misses, the way that you put that, then it is kind of naturally. Yeah. Laquan Treadwell is a referendum on the front office. That is a thing that they scouted. They made mistakes and hopefully they learn from them. Um, and that 
So like that is, you know, that does go as a more of a black mark on their record than somebody like Mike Hughes just got hurt a lot. Um, so I, I think, I don't think, I don't have much of an issue with the expectations we put out for draft picks. Now in the later rounds, absolutely. I think if half of your day three picks make the team, you're doing all right. Um, but that's just kind of, again, the nature of the draft. But when it comes to the first rounders, the second rounders, the guys that get a little more press, I don't think there's a problem with the expectation on the player or, you know, the idea of where we draw the line for what a successful first or second round pick is. I think there might be a problem with the expectation of how often we expect our favorite team to hit that. And what is a good team? How often does a good team hit on their first round picks? Most fans would probably say all of them. Or would, you know, if you said, well, should they have hit on this guy? Should they have hit on this guy? Should they have hit on this guy? Um, most fans would probably, will probably expect every first round pick to come in and be a superstar. Um, and perhaps that is incongruous with how the actual NFL works. There's probably only two teams over a given five year period that have, you know, five good first round picks that have four good first round picks. You know, it's hard to, to hit these guys over and over and over again. So I think that's probably where the disconnect is, but I think the dichot like dividing it into busts and misses, I think is a really useful way to think about it. And I mean, and, and to think about it too, I think they, they tell you what it's like 50% or something like that is, is the hit rate for, for first round picks. And then it dips, you know, significantly into the second round, third round and so on and so forth. So there, I think the, the reason why this fan base is so frustrated, just to kind of bring it back to the Vikings is when you take a look at our last, what, five years of first round picks dating back to Treadwell, uh, Treadwell is, you know, however you wanted to find it, he didn't work out. Uh, Hughes did not work out. Gladney did not work out. Uh, Bradbury. Sam Bradford TV, did not work out. Sam Bradford didn't, well, did not work out. Right. Would have been cool uh, you know, if he Brad, did it though. Oh, it would have been the best. <laughs> How cool Obviously. Oh, you, quarterback working out here would have been the dream, but yeah. Um, so really our only like win for sure win so far has been Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Bradbury. Yeah, I, I totally get that. So it's like, so if you're supposed to be hitting at a 50% clip and you're hitting at a, what would that be? 12% clip or something yeah, like they're, that. They're that's like not one good. for five in the last five years. Yeah. Right. And now or again, one for six, if you count the Bradford one. Exactly. And, and again, you can't necessarily count Hughes maybe because again, you predict injuries, Gladney situation again how much information did they know about what were the off-field issues may have been did they do enough homework or research I was a Jalen Johnson guy because he seemed you know based on his background stuff seemed like a stand-up guy great player he had an elbow issue but I wasn't concerned about it I was more you know in tune with him and of course he's had a good rookie year in Chicago, right? Um, but again, these guys have so much more information than I do on on these players' background and stuff. So who knows? So you know, you take a look at those things, and you're just like, I, you know, it, they're not hitting on a lot of these first, but they're hitting on these second player, second round guys, mm-hmm. Brian O'Neill, and and so on. So it's like, how much can you really get upset with the front office? I mean, first round picks, you want them to produce because they're the like you said, they're the marquee name. They're the pro- high-profile guys. But if you're hitting on second, third, fourth-round picks, obviously we uh, somebody had mentioned in the chat, Samia is a fourth-round bus. I absolutely agree because he had high expectations for being a fourth-rounder, and he's awful. So, like, you know, I, I don't think it, it's correlated to just first-rounders. You can be a bus in a later ri- rounds as well, but they're calculated risks I think you can take back then or in those later rounds to – 
um, that, that makes it harder, I guess, to define people as bus. Um, and I don't yeah, define yeah. bus as bad, but bus is, is not synonymous with it's bad. Like, bus just means like it didn't didn't, didn't make it to the expectation because like yeah. yeah you can be a you can be a bad player you can be Shamar Stefan Shamar Stefan's a bad player but he met the expectations of a seventh rounder which is like make the team. Yep. <laughs> um, but he's like a bad yeah. starter, and then that became the expectation. <laughs> but that that became the expectation at all kind of means that he was yeah. And I think as you go like round by round like. Uh, take a look at Drew Samia. I think he's really close to the expectations of a fourth rounder. Because for me, a fourth rounder doesn't necessarily need to be a starter. A fourth rounder should be a contributor, um, somebody who maybe gets a rotational role, somebody, uh, you know, like, I, I think if KJ Osborne, he's having a good camp, if he turns into a rotational wide receiver, it's a good fifth rounder, you know, um, or a fourth rounder, like Jalen Holmes, I think is really close, where he was a rotational defensive end. He never started, he was never that good, but he contributed and he, he provided depth. And I think that's kind of what fourth rounders are for. Um, yeah. They don't all need to turn into starters. But I don't think Drew Samia is going to make it to the end of his rookie contract because I don't think he's going to make the team this year. And then that would make him, for me, a bust because I think a fourth rounder should make it to the end of the rookie contract. For sure. I think rule of thumb, rule of thumb for a holistic draft, this is mega broad. You can find all the exceptions in the world, but broad, broad rule of thumb. If you come out of a draft, no matter what picks you started with, or you come out of a draft with two starters and one backup, I think you did okay. And if, you know, half your players make the team. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. That was more than I could have asked for out of that topic. So, (laughs) Um, but we are in training camp mode. So enough about drafting, whatever. Jeff Gladney's gone. Uh, We're on to, to Cam Dantzler, Chris Boyd, Harrison Hand, you name it. uh, And we're ready to rock it. So Luke, you have been out at uh, TCO Performance Center uh, watching these players uh, since you've been back here in Minnesota. what have been your your takeaways? You know, we've I I, I love the the play by play you've been giving people uh, on Twitter. It's very helpful very for content. those that are uh, are sitting at work wondering what's going on, and you can't know, capture nobody... every play uh, via <laughs> I video. Probably so half of them. <laughs> yeah, so uh, but I but I do enjoy that. So let's let's hear some of your takeaways so far. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I like doing the higher level of detail because most of the people, most of the media at camp are, you know, beat reporters looking for the stories, looking for who's playing with what team, who's hurt and all that stuff, kind of reporting the, the like bare Associated Press style facts. Um, and I, I like being able to kind of go play by play and try to help people feel like they were there. But um, I think the biggest surprise, and you probably know about it, is KJ Osborne. Um, who I already mentioned, he's balling. He's just playing really well, and he's playing almost exclusively with the first team now. That was supposed to be a rotation. KJ Osborne had thoughts about that and decided, no, he's just taking them all, and he's earning them all. Um, And so a a lot of the big highlights that you see are against first team defense, which is awesome. And he's getting open. His catch radius is good. His releases are good. His technique is good. He's in the right place all the time. And I wasn't at 2020 camp, but apparently he wasn't anything near this in 2020 camp. So KJ Osborne has gotten better at football demonstrably. Um, that's awesome. And it looks like he's running away with the wide receiver three job, especially as D.D. Westbrook still, uh, is only doing punt work. He'll come out in pads, he'll catch some punts, and he'll go back in and he'll take his pads off. Um, there's, I, I, that, that's a huge takeaway for me. Um, I think 
a lot of people have gushed about Justin Jefferson. He's just fun to watch. You could just spend your whole camp, just watch Justin Jefferson. You'll walk away saying you had a good time. I think the same about Daniel Hunter, who just reps anybody, any offensive lineman's reps against Daniel Hunter. I just can't, they don't count because it's like, well, what are you supposed to guard Daniel Hunter? <laughs> He's just ridiculous. Um, and Irv Smith, I think has also kind of just exploded in that same way. And, you know, Jake Browning, only quarterback out there, testing his catch radius, not a lot of accuracy. Um, and so Irv Smith kind of gets to show off just how inaccurate you can be, and he'll be that inaccuracy eraser that a tight end is supposed to be. Um, anytime he's in a one-on-one drill, you know, the tight ends will go catch passes against linebackers. He just dunks on the linebackers. So I, I said on my show, like, I'm curious to see what would happen if they put him with the wide receivers and made him go up against, like, the real pass defenders. Um and, and I, I wonder how that would go or if he'd be able to use his size and box him out and stuff. But, I mean, when he's in a one-on-one drill against, like, Blake Lynch, it's, it looks like the two guys are playing a different sport. Um, those are the big, <laughs> awesome takeaways. I thought today on uh, Wednesday, Oli Udo had an awesome day, and he was competing for two jobs at the same time and winning both battles. He was So Rashad Hill has – I saw somebody ask about Rashad Hill. Um, he's out with something. Uh, I, I, I don't know what the deal was. He kind of always is in training camp. Um, and Christian Derrissaw did individual work, but they're still easing him in slowly. He didn't do the team work. So the team left tackle reps were split between Blake Brandle and Oli Udo. And Oli Udo w- held up really, really well in the, those first team reps at left. And he's outplaying Dakota Dozier when he takes the, the right guard reps, which Udo and Dozier have been basically splitting the reps 50-50. And I think Dozier looks absolutely putrid. And I think Udo's holding up well. He's holding up well against stunts. His sets are very quick. He's uh, you know not getting embarrassed in pass protection the way Dozier is. Um, and he's he's uh, he'll find a way to get on this lineup. It really looks like he's going to find a way to start this year. How about yeah, and I know like Wyatt Davis. Oh, uh, sorry. No, I, just since we're talking to a line, I know Wyatt Davis apparently made it back to practice today as well. Uh, I mean, do you see like a pathway? Did he ever have to? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, do you see a pathway for him and or Derrissaw to still, you know, make a push for those starting jobs? I know that, you know, they basically both miss about a week. So, yeah. Um, Wyatt Davis could totally make a push. He had a fairly rough day, um, but, you know, rookie, first day back from camp, from, you know, first day in pads and all that stuff. I'm not too mad about it. Ole Udo will be a tougher out than Dakota Dozier would have been. Um, so it'll be a lot, that much tougher for him. Um, as for Derisaw, yeah, I have no idea what we'll see from him in camp. He'll get in the team stuff eventually. They're just, you know, abundance of caution. They don't want to push this too far and, and have a situation, you know, they don't want the guy to suddenly be out for the year because they pushed it too far, you know. In these first early days of camp, you can absolutely sacrifice in, in the name of safety. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Uh, I was going to switch to the defensive side of the ball, but I just saw another question come in. Uh, I I forget how to say his last name, but Kenne, in, in, I don't want to butcher it, so I'm just going to leave it there. Wangu. Wangu, okay. Wangu. If Flipper watching right now, he would absolutely roast me that I don't know how to pronounce that. So I, somebody uh, sent me a DM of Gabe Henderson uh, interviewing him, and there's a pronunciation in that, and thank you to that person, because I was butchering it too. <laughs> That's my bad. Um, do you think he's pushing Madison for the running back two job? I don't know about th- that far. Um, he's blowing out Amir Abdullah for the running back three job. Oh, interesting. 
which that might leave uh, Amir Abdullah expendable because we we relied a lot on him for special teams as well. And yeah, the uh, other guys have to be good on special teams, but yeah, yeah. Um, shifting topics defensively, I feel like it's you know I'm writing a, a daily stock report for Climb in the Pocket, uh, who's trending up and who's trending down. Um, and every time I go into it, I feel like it's very difficult to to pull out defensive players because offense is the show, right? Everything is kind of geared towards the offense. We like seeing the receivers do their thing, cool catches, whatever. But what have you seen defensively? Has anybody stood out in particular? I know you mentioned Hunter, and that's no surprise, but thank, thankfully he is coming off that injury. Um, but is there anybody defensively? Uh, that we should be concerned for or impressed by? Um, I'll go with impressed by. Armin Watts has had a nice camp. He's gotten a lot of first-team reps with Michael Pierce. He's still dealing with that calf injury. They're giving Pierce is doing the same thing Darius is doing where he does individual drills, but they're not having him do the team stuff. And Armin Watts is getting all of those snaps while Dalvin Tomlinson and Sheldon Richardson rotate. And Armin Watts is holding his own very well against the first team. Ezra Cleveland gets his number a couple of times. And Ezra, speaking of offensive line, has had a nice camp. I should uh, point that out. Um, but I, I think Armin Watts has looked really good, looked nice and disruptive. Dalvin Tomlinson wins just about every run game rep. Um, he's really, really difficult to block. Uh, th- so that kind of defensive line stuff is, uh, I, I think, really encouraging. I think the run defense looks a lot sounder and a lot more, um, just a, a, a lot better run fits, people in the right place more often. Um, Blake Lynch has worked his way into the second team. I did not think he had that in him. Um, the the linebacker three battle is between right now Cam Smith and Nick Vigil, and Nick Vigil had himself a day today. He did really well. He's one of the only people that can uh, actually take Irv Smith on toe to toe in those one on ones, except for like Kendricks and stuff. But um, I think Nick Vigil and Cam Smith are, are having a good battle right now. I think Cam Smith looks to be winning it. He took all of the first team reps on Wednesday's practice, um, but Nick Vigil demoted to the second team just romped on them. So I, I think that's still pretty close. Uh, there's the cornerbacks. I mean, for all of the good things, the pass catchers are doing, there's equal bad things on the cornerbacks, right? Cam Dantzler is getting lit up a lot. You probably see him a lot in a lot of the training camp highlights. Um, Patrick Peterson, I thought had a really rough day today. Uh, and Bashad Breeland, I think he looks pretty good. Bashad Breeland will be a good corner for us. Um, he gets matched up with Justin Jefferson a lot. And it's just one of those things where it's like, well, I don't know how you're supposed to defend that. Um, and th- those are the losses of his that I like notice. I think Mac Alexander looks really good. Um, hard for me to evaluate the safeties in like drills and stuff, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a largely the first team defense and then any other standouts. Um, Hercules Mataf was doing pretty good, although he got hurt in practice today in the one-on-ones. He pulled, I think Courtney Cronin thought it was a hamstring, something like that. Um, somebody asked, oh yeah, Cam Bynum, clearly third safety. He's the best safety on the second team and Chaz Surratt is um, suddenly looked a lot worse when the pads came on. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> he got blown out by, by, I think it was Wyatt Davis, or Ole Udo took him for a ride yesterday. And I think Wyatt Davis got a good one on him today too. Dang. What, what about that uh, the defensive end spot opposite Hunter? I mean, I know they've been oh, yeah. kind of rotating Patrick Jones, Wanham. I know Robinson had a, a good play on Mond a couple, you know, you know I think it was the first day mm-hmm. of camp. Uh, how's that battle looking? Yeah, Janarius Robinson is very fast and very athletic. Um, he's not moving up the, ch- up the ranks. I don't think he will. Um, he just is kind of a redshirt year kind of guy. Um, but Pat- Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham are, I think, 
going to win. One of those two will win the spot. I think they're both outplaying Stephen Weatherly right now. Even though Stephen Weatherly is getting the reps with the ones, um, DJ Wanham took almost all the reps with the ones today, which I think is kind of meaningful. Um, and of course, you know, beat the crap out of like Blake Brandle because <laughs> um, that was who was playing left tackle over there. But uh, I, I think Patrick Jones has also had a really steady camp. A really every day he makes two or three really exciting plays. Yeah, that was my evaluation of him coming out was he's not super flashy, but he's just consistent. And uh, I'm glad that, mm-hmm. you know, that's being confirmed with camp here. So um, one of the biggest, uh, uh, you know, I know Mike Zimmer had his press conference today. One of the biggest takeaways I had from it and sw- switching back to offense, sorry, um, is he said uh, D.D. Westbrook's not quite there yet. And so, well, yeah, still doing the punt stuff. So and I know you had mentioned that. Uh is KJ, you know, you say KJ Osborne's in the front front driver's seat here for the uh, wide receiver three position. With D.D. Westbrook's speed and his, you know, ability to separate and uh, his, you know, just tenure in the NFL, do you think that's going to hold any weight, or is he is is KJ Osborne just got this on lock? It's one of these tough things. Every day that goes by where D.D. Westbrook doesn't do work from scrimmage is a day where K.J. Osborne essentially gets to run in this race unopposed. And he gets to kind of build up that much more good faith. And look, if D.D. Westbrook comes back off this ACL and he starts balling too, and then they're both balling, then you got a decision to make. But every day... A great decision to make, by the way. (laughs) Right, a a fun decision to make. Um, But, you know, every day that you go out there and K.J. Osborne is far and away the best guy in the group, it's really easy to forget the veteran, even if maybe you shouldn't. Now, look, I think D.D. Westbrook, the way they're treating him, like the fact that they're having him do punt work and not anything else makes me think he's the front runner for the punt return job. So D.D. Westbrook will like make the team, if nothing else, based on that. And I think, I don't know, the rest of the wide receivers are pretty uninspiring. Blake Pearl's been okay. Watt Filer's been like, okay. Uh, D.D. Westbrook is the second worst receiver I've ever seen because the worst one is D- Dan Chisena. Um, or I'm sorry, Chad Beebe. Did I say D.D. Westbrook? Ch- Chad Beebe yeah. uh, can't get away from anybody. Dan Chisena, extra can't get away from anybody. Um, and yeah, so the, the rest of the wide receiver group is just so uninspiring that K.J. Osborne looks even better by comparison. And without D.D. Westbrook to kind of push to, to you know, have somebody match his level, it just looks like K.J. Osborne's running away with this. And at a certain point, if Westbrook doesn't come back, and K, you know, K.J. Osborne's had nine perfect practices where he's been the star of, of the show, yeah, at a certain point, you just go, okay, you can just have the job. This is clearly not going to bite us. And, and, he, and he earned it, right? At that point, he's yeah. earned it, and, and that's great. And then you have D.D. Westbrook at wide receiver four in case injuries happen, and, uh, and you have a good punt returner. I mean, it's still yeah. a great signing in my opinion, so... Oh, and Smith Marset has been fine. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, are we forgetting about Smith Marset? I've seen a, a couple of highlights from him, but <laughs> obviously, I don't know scrimmage. Oh yeah, shoot. Why? I, yeah, okay. we totally didn't talk about him. Um, he is so he and Justin Jefferson and to a lesser degree Wap Filer and Adam Thielen are a million percent the class clowns. They are all and and I I wrote about this in an article at Zone Covered a little training camp notebook, but the vibe of camp is just loose they're just very they're all having fun and it's it you know i i remember and i compare it to stefan diggs when stefan diggs was out there diggs has this intensity and it's you know kind of it's neither here nor there which one is better or whatever but he has this iron sharpens iron and he and Rhodes would be fighting every day and he just had this intensity that pushed everybody everybody was very intense and wound up and and working harder for it but that was kind of the infectious energy that diggs had 
Jefferson's energy is very like they're just out there playing football, man. And it it it, it comes so naturally to him. And I, he's just it's like what's the thing? Like he's a hooper. And it making everybody else feel a little bit like Hoopers and they're laughing and they're having a good time. And it seems very loose and relaxed. And it doesn't look like a team that feels like it's under a ton of pressure. It just looks like a team that's ready to go out there. You know, it's, he's like a kid out there. I love to hear that. I wonder if tomorrow that stops now that Kirk <laughs> comes back to town. Kirk's got, Kirk's got some stuff to, to make up. Are there any thoughts uh-huh. you guys have about Kirk returning tomorrow? I'm just glad I won't have to watch Jake Browning throw every pass anymore. <laughs> Ryan, do you I mean, have any thoughts? Obviously, I'm excited to see that press conference. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're going to be in for a treat. Hopefully, these uh, reporters can come in hot with some good questions on, um, you know, what 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 he's thinking. I mean, it's it's obviously a hot button topic, kind of a political topic. And um, I'm interested to see how he navigates that similarly to last year, how he navigated the, if I die, I die comment, right? Like it's, it's just going to be an interesting presser uh, because you know, that's going to be the main focus. And I, I, I was listening to um, uh, pardon the, pardon the interruption PTI uh, today. And that was the first topic they were talking about was our current situation with the vaccinations. And basically they both, uh, both Kornheiser and it wasn't Wilbon today. I think it was Pablo Torre um, basically just said, uh, you're just being a bad teammate because, you know, political aside and whatnot, this is a team game and you're choosing to um, put your team at risk at the most important position to, to uh, you know, stand by your values and whatnot, which is whatever. That's fine, but again, it's it's just going by. You're kind of being a bad teammate because you're putting the team at risk, not just yourself. So, um, thought that was an interesting nugget. Yeah, I think that the uh, and we don't have to linger too much on this. I know last night on in the huddle, uh, they they did a, a really good job talking about this. And so, for anybody listening, uh, I would recommend just going to listen to their conversation, but. Um, I'll just kind of close with, uh, you know, I think it's from the from what I'm seeing, it sounds like the teammates all are kind of on the same page, maybe not the same page as Mike Zimmer, uh, but teammates at first glance don't seem to be affected by it, and they're just kind of proceeding as normal. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if this impacts a, a regular season game, uh, if the, the feelings are a little bit different. So uh, time will tell. And uh, Kirk is back tomorrow. So uh, lucky for Luke, he'll get to see some, maybe some better quarterback play. <laughs> some real quarterback. Well, okay, Jake Browning, somebody asked about Jake Browning as quarterback too. He has a command of the offense. He understands the offense. He's making shifts and audibles at the line. And so he can operate the offense in an emergency. And he's playing very conservatively. Almost he's like trying to look like a backup quarterback out there. But he'll, you know, he'll he'll make the safe throw and and not, you know, throw the game away. But it'll be like 2016 Sam Bradford that, in that way, where there's just a limit to how good your offense can be. Limp through a couple games while, co- while Kirk's in the COVID protocol, maybe that'll work out. But his accuracy is bad enough to make me deeply, deeply concerned. If I had to make the decision right now about like if cut day were tomorrow, I would probably cut all three of the quarterbacks that are playing right now at Lane Cookus and Browning, and I would probably wait to see who comes on the waiver wire. Wow, wow. hot take. I mean, it's, I mean, you saw Kellen Mon play before he went out with COVID, right? So I, I mean, did not. I was not here yet. 
Oh, you weren't here. Okay. Well, it didn't no. seem like based on, you know, some other, you know, Viking uh, media, um, you know, true media and, you know, the, you know, fake media, whatever that whole argument was on Twitter, <laughs> Viking Twitter the other day, um, was that he hasn't been that impressive. So, you know, you're really looking for, you know, he, redshirting him similar to your, mm-hmm. your message on Janarius Robinson. Um, so yeah, you're really saying we need to go maybe find a QB2 uh, to come in here. Yeah. Yeah, that was my expectation for Mon too. Just after he got drafted and looking at his tape at A and M and stuff, it was very clear. It's like, okay, this this is going to need a year, um, but that's that's fine. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting a guy and making a need a year. But yeah, I think you you need a backup quarterback, and I don't think look he'll not throw interceptions and not call the wrong play. I want my backup quarterback to do a little more than that, but that's what you get with Jake Browning. I think that's pretty clear by now. But, like, I mean, is that all that different than what, like, Sean Mannion was basically supposed to be for us for the last couple of years? I, I would, mean, I, I would trade Sean Mannion for Jake Browning straight up right now in a heartbeat, yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Move <laughs> oh, Moving. Oh, people aren't going to like that one. <laughs> I know, I know. I might, I might need to just clip that section right there, <laughs> put it, it out to Twitter, and let them feast. You might want to just. Yeah, let's go. Log off for a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, our final topic here tonight is, uh, you know, Denver comes to town next week. Um, is there anything? And will you still be there, Luke? Yeah. Okay, sweet. So, uh, so Denver comes to town next week. Is there anything that fans should be looking for? Is there anything that you are going to be looking for in general, other than Teddy Bridgewater? Because yeah, Teddy, Br- we I know that everyone. Teddy. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to watch the Broncos wide receivers against our corners. That's the matchup that keeps sticking out to me because the Broncos have yep. a perfect wide receiver room. That's like pretty good and a good challenge, but not so it, like, it's not like the chiefs are coming to town and we just don't really expect anybody to cover. It's like enough where it's like, okay, they should rise to this one and we can really use it as a litmus test. Um, and so I, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch like Cortland Sutton and of course Jerry Judy and all those guys up against our our secondary for sure. That's the big one that I'm uh, really excited to watch, and maybe even watching some of their secondary too. Noah Fant against uh, some of our linebackers. Yeah, Noah Fant versus Eric Kendricks. That's or, or, or Anthony Barr. That's fun. Ryan, anything you're looking forward to to next week? Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... Luke's touchdown or uh, stepped on my touchdown call here with uh, Jerry Judy. I, I was really excited to watch Jerry Judy, uh, his route running ability. He just seems to be toasting all his corners, uh, Patrick Sertan and in company um, all camp long. So I was excited to see how Dantzler and, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson and, and uh, Breland hold up against him. I'm um, excited to see just kind of the offensive, their offensive line versus, or our defensive line versus their offensive line. Uh, again, n- not so much from a hunter standpoint because we all know what we're going to get from him. But I want to see those young kids and how they can, you know, handle non-Vikings offensive linemen because our offensive line isn't that great. There is is much better, I would say. And uh, so I want to see how you know. Uh, Patrick Jones and and DJ Wanham hold up against their offensive line. Um, yeah, and then yeah, again they, they have some interesting. Uh, uh, they have a really good defense, uh, typically, right? I mean, they, they were pretty decent last year. So I just want to see Justin Jefferson roast some guys and maybe go toe to toe with Judy in terms of making people look like fools. And, um, and yeah, and just kind of see how it goes. 
And of course, I, my boy Teddy. I want to see Teddy. I miss him. <laughs> Everybody wants to see Teddy. Do you think we're going to have any Andrew, fights? Andrew Locke, though. I mean, I like Drew Locke. Like, I, I know you know uh, people in our group kind of trash him. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I'm not sitting here trying to say he's like, you know, second coming of Dan Marino or nothing. But you know, he's got some <laughs> swag to him. He's got he's he's a fun guy. Like, you know, he's sitting there rapping on the sidelines and stuff. I just like seeing like that doesn't you know, win like, you what, football you know, games. Justin Jefferson that vibe that. I know, but like you know, if you're not going to win football games, you might as well have fun doing it. Like at least it's That's not true. just pathetic. You I think know? like you know, swagger kind of wins you football games. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't. I don't deny that fact. Patrick Mahomes has like, but like there's like yeah. there's like Drew Locke swagger, talent, which but is he's like also swagger. It's other yeah. There's swagger. like Drew. Drew Locke swagger, which is like fun, you know, goofy swagger that whatever. And then you have like Baker Mayfield swagger, which does win you games. Oh my gosh. Mute him, Dave. Mute him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, flip. I can't imagine coming to the pod right now to hear I like Drew Locke. I would have shut it off right there. Um, Do you think think before – you think we get any fights in camp? And if so, who instigates? We got one I assume it's – did we? Yeah. Tough Borland and Wyatt Davis. I tweeted out that oh, clip and Buckeye's I did Twitter see found that. it. Yes. And now Buckeye's <laughs> Twitter is having a field day with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I want to thank you both uh, for being on tonight. You know, I, I, I didn't have anything else planned. So if you guys have any other final thoughts that you want to give, um, we can we can toss it to each of you, Luke or Ryan. Um Otherwise, we can we can call it a show here. So, you guys, the good? kicker's bad. Sorry, guys, the <laughs> oh. kicker's bad. You're just gonna leave it at that. No elaboration. The, just... no, he misses a lot. It's rough. <laughs> and he misses. I thought he made like a too. 55 yarder today, but and then he no, like no, missed everything he missed else. He he oh. had a there was a, a end of game the end of practice they did like situation and it was like minute eleven. Uh, you know, down no. uh, or tie game a minute 11, one touchdown, and it ended up in a 55 yard possible game winner. And it looked like the Blair Walsh kick, it was horrible. It, it barely even got to the crossbar by the time it hit the ground. So, and you're was saying like Riley Patterson has a chance? No, get it? He's also <laughs> bad. He was bad at Memphis. I have no idea why they signed him. Wasn't there a third? Why did I think there was a third kicker coming in? But we like Whatever. cut we cut a They're, kicker punter uh, prior that's, to that's camp. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah, oh, was that it? Yeah, there it was, uh, that was it. some like yeah, old guy D-Guy. from LSU. Yeah. Yep. Great. Yeah, it was like well, that kind of ends yards, the sh- it, it should get there. <laughs> that kind of ends the show on a damper. yeah well you know what i will say though is that i mean based on everything we're seeing apparently the offense uh didn't really do well today there's an article that was put out actually i I was going to actually bring this up to you luke um there's an article that came out from the athletic i think yesterday or the day before uh that basically said that vikings are projected to have the number one offense or defense um 
What are your thoughts on oh, that? Yeah. Do you think this is a number one defense uh, defensive team? I mean, I I don't see it that way. And then I think they had us like 18th in offense, which I think is about right, um, which I think is going to get Vikings Twitter pretty upset. But I think we overachieved last year, and I don't think it's going to be the same uh, because we're not going to be playing from behind as much and stuff like that. But um, but going, going to the defense specifically, do you think we have a number one uh, defense? Or do, do we have enough talent and um, – you know, equity in this team to have a number one defense. Uh, sure. Uh, I, number one's pretty hot. That's, that's coming in pretty hot, but I love the defensive roster. I'm really high on it. I think the things they did in the offseason were really smart and they work. Um, I don't know. Number one's pretty hot. There's some good defenses out there. It, it's tough to just be like, they will have them and like make that prediction. I don't know who's going to be the number one defense. Jeez. Hmm. Uh, but they'll be good. I'm good with the defense. Um, I don't know what offense we're going to have because I don't know how many games we get our quarterback for. So, (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) That's a better note to end it on. The Vikings (laughs) defense. There we go. Yeah. Defense looks great, though. They look really sound. They look really – they're communicating pretty well. The twos aren't communicating quite as well. But, um, you know, the offense is throwing a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of motion at the snap, a lot of trickery and stuff. And the ones are not having that difficult of a time communicating, uh, passing things off, kind of figuring out what to do with that and rising to that challenge, which hopefully will translate to when offenses try to do that kind of thing against them in the regular season. I love to hear that we're incorporating some motion, some jet sweeps. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit more than just the vanilla offense we were used to seeing. So that is orbit motion that cut back to the same side, like fake orbit motion. They're doing all kinds of Clint's doing weird stuff. Good. He's showcasing. Like he needs to, <laughs> it's, it's time to shine. So, well, this time I will conclude it here. So, uh, Ryan, thank you for coming on Luke. It is very good to see you. It has been far too long. Um, yes, it has. and since you'll still be here next week, um, I'll hit you up and, and, and we'll go out and grab some drinks. So uh, oh, yeah. to everybody that's listening in the chat tonight or listening on the podcast when this goes live on Thursday, thank you. Um, I believe Flip Mozzie will be back tomorrow night with Eric Thompson uh, for Vikings Hot Takes. And until next week, everybody, uh, skull. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.